and welcome back to the Big C Church Podcast. I am excited to have uh, a guest that is new to me. Um, a lot of them so far have been folks that I know and uh, have agreed to have conversation with me. Uh, my guest today is Jane Wilcox. Jane is um, coming to us. Um, I'm from my office in Denver, and she's coming from uh, a little alcove at, uh, in her home in the Poconos right now um, in Pennsylvania. Jane is uh, um, by training a theologian, um, but has also by experience been a ministry leader, pastor, uh, has taught theology, um, church history, Christian history, history in general, uh, a variety of places. And um, so she also has a um, website called Girls Talking Church and a podcast called she ecclesiology. So her whole specialty um, and um, nerd domain, like mine, is ecclesiology. And so I'm excited to have her here. So Jane, thanks for doing this. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, so um, like I said right before we hit record, we're going to talk about the thing we love to nerd out about, and we're going to hit uh, and we're having it recorded so others can listen in on us. Um, talking about this as as ministry leaders and people with a heart for the mm. local church and kind of the universal or big C church. Um, but I want to start just with let's talk about understanding and definition um, because church is mm. is a loaded term. So what is the church? How, if I want to if I, you know, you say I teach ecclesiology and you say I teach about the church and people go, what is the church? Do you have a succinct answer? What would you say? Mm. Or let's talk around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think when we talk about church, um, and it depends on your tradition, it depends on your denomination. So I think there's a technical definition mm -hmm. for church, but I think we could say that church is community. Kingdom community, I think, is even a even better nuanced definition of, of what it means to be the church. <clears throat> and then uh, as we branch out from community or this a community committed to kingdom values, then we can talk about other structural definitions or technical theological definitions of, of, of church. But I like community that works for me. Okay. Um, but you, uh, just in the course of that, you mentioned a couple of different things. So when you first said community, yeah. I, um, I go, well, I'm in, um, a Bible study or I'm in mm -hmm. a workout group, you know, a running group that's community. So is that church? Let's keep, let's keep te Ooh. teasing here. Yes. Yeah. Um, for me, and I know that I, I don't like to say for me because that's just so individualistic and not fair. You should say but in your me, understanding. In my understanding, okay. what I'm comfortable with, yes, that's church. I think it depends on what we're doing. Uh, if, even as we gather, as we gather around a pub table, as we gather around a sewing group or a quilt group. Uh, or or a Bible study, I think, begins to define it a little bit more. But could church be those communities? Yes. Um, I think it's a matter of what we are, what we are tending to as we gather. Okay, so that leads into what the other thing you said. You said community, and then you said com kingdom community. But yeah. then you also clarified and said community committed to kingdom values. Yes. Yeah. So... <laughs> I said all that. You good, did. Right? Yeah. So now I'm going to hold you to it. So yeah. okay. no, keep unpacking. So you said yeah. it depends on what they gather around. So keep going. Um, 
So from my perspective, yep, your understanding, sure. From my understanding, uh, to to be the ch- so the church as a gathered community is this sign and symbol of the the not yet kingdom. I'm, I'm I keep <laughs> I keep piling stuff. On I know, and I'm and we're gonna go to all of them. So there you go. Okay. You're giving me plenty. The already not yet kingdom on earth. Okay. And so we we reflect that we reflect the, the the that that kingdom that's yet to come. Do we do it perfectly? Absolutely not. And we we could probably gather many stories of folks where uh, the church, the people, have not lived up to uh, the expectations of being the reflection of that that the kingdom on earth. But I think that's what we're called to. I think it's what Scripture calls us to. Um. Uh. And I, and I and I if I go back to could we gather anywhere around uh, any pub table or sewing group or Bible study, um, it, it's because are we tending to the kingdom in in being the kingdom in some way? And so if we're studying scripture, sure, if we're doing participating in ritual, of course we are. But I also think we could gather around a pub table and be about kingdom values. Are we welcoming? Are we being hospitable? Are we loving? Are we generous? All of these, all of these values of the kingdom. And when I, and when I say yes, you know, lots of people can be generous. Lots of people can be loving. But the kingdom calls for something outrageously generous, mm. outrageously hospitable. Uh, and then we begin really, we we stand out to the rest of culture that there's something really unusual about those that are gathering around this pub table. They are outrageously generous, outrageously loving, outrageously hospitable. So um, I'm going to keep teasing the threads because you keep giving me such good stuff. So you talked about several times, you said it's a gathered community. So, and and we'll get a little bit later, we'll talk about structures, Mm. right? So yeah, yeah. What does gathered mean? That's, that's, that's a great question in that because it's, it's, it's it's a bit of the hot topic post covid mm-hmm, isn't it mm-hmm. what does it mean to be gathered do we have to be embodied do we mm-hmm. have to show up in person um from my understanding <laughs> yes yes we do because um there there's there's an embodied presence that we that we offer one another and i don't think can we did, did we survive COVID as disembodied as gathering in Zoom or, or Facebook? We did. We did. And again, I think it's according to tradition. Um, because if you're Catholic or you're, you practice the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, there is a deep fundamental lacking in not gathering in an embodied space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a, I mean, a, a Catholic church uh, near me here in Denver that, they started doing um, drive-in uh, Eucharist communion, and so, oh, and yeah. but it was very yeah. uh, thoughtfully controversial as to is that you know yeah. it, it was just so different, but yeah, they you know absolutely. you couldn't gather and celebrate and receive in the same way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're you're taking a slice of say for example for example the Catholic Mass. Yes, you know everything leads to the Eucharist. That the entire mm-hmm. worship, the, the mass service, leads to that. 
Uh, and so while you're still partic- participating in the Eucharist by drive, you know, drive, drive in, drive through. Yeah, yeah drive. I think it was drive, drive through. Like you could drive up in your car yeah. and people with masks would serve you, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's still something lacking in it, even in the, the drive through Eucharist. Um, for, for the, from so many other traditions where, uh, the real presence is not central to how we gather or why we gather. I mean, the, the, obviously the, the, the theology of the Eucharist is certainly why we gather. Um, yeah, for, for, I think they're, their value it's contextual. It's so contextual because it's what we needed to do for COVID. Yeah. And it, I, I think it was still pleasing to God. At the, at the end of the day, he is pleased with those who gathered the way they could gather. Yeah. And, and did, and, and for the sake of, for the loving sake of protecting one another, right? We were still able to be the church in, in, in a way that was pleasing to God. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I, I, I really struggle. Um, I get it. I understand. And even today, so, uh, it seems that there are certainly enough churches that are continuing uh, while they gather in person. They still have this virtual way to for people to sit in, mm-hmm. gather with them virtually. Um, and I understand that, too. And I think that, that there's a there's a ministry in that. So I don't want to be dismissive of that. I think and part of it is just how I think about how. I, I would do church, yeah. uh, which is really my threshold as I, th- I think as you're picking up on my threshold for what it means to be the church is low in the sense of, uh, by all definitions of the institutional church, I, 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 I lower that standard pretty far, I think. And so I think that's my struggle in that, you yeah, know, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. What I've, uh, you know, the term I've heard and probably you as well is kind of what's the ecclesial minimum. Yeah. You yes. know, and yeah. um, so I'm hearing from you, you're saying uh, it's a church if it's embodied, gathered, there's some intentionality around kingdom values. I'm curious mm. what you would say are kind of the ecclesial, ecclesial minimum of those values, you yeah. know, uh, and we're, you know, uh, you know, worship or the reformed, our reformed brothers and sisters would talk about where the gospel is rightly preached and the, you know, the sacraments are yeah, rightly administered, yeah. you know? So, yeah. 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 T- keep talking through your ecclesial minimum yeah. and because, you know, like sure. you said, tradition uh, plays into this and you're coming from an Absolutely. Anabaptist, much more decentralized yeah. understanding. Yeah, certainly. So let me share with you how I've, uh, my, me, my husband, my family, we've uh, been a part of a uh, church family um, for the last 12 years or so, 12, 13, 14 years. <laughs> um, yeah, please. Which we are, and we were part of that church uh, while we were in the suburbs of Philly. And so we're, uh, we're in the middle of uh, relocating. But while we were there, and, and I pastored at this church for the first five years, um, and then I stepped away uh, to do some doctoral work. Um, and what happened with that? And it was a small church. There were about 25 of us okay. uh, when I stepped away. 
Um, and in their process of looking for another pastor, um, they very organically begin doing church without a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I stepped away for about a year before I returned uh, my, and my family continued uh, there. And, and part of my stepping away for that year period, because I had been pastor, is that we needed to switch in in our understanding of roles, yep. yeah. right? And so I had to step away from that community for a while and then re-enter. And they've quickly forgot that I'd been pastor, yeah. which was a blessing. <laughs> Any notion of indispensability gone. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they organically did church differently. And so instead of gathering in the sanctuary worship space, there is what we call the, the cafe, we call it the back porch uh, to that um, sanctuary with the pews and the, you know, the stage and the pulpit. Though I don't, I didn't really ever have a pulpit. Um, and so they gathered themselves around the cafe table for the kids and, you know, kind of all squeezed in and they would do really th- three things, sometimes four. They would gather and inevitably three or four families would bring some some kind of munchies, morning munchies. Um, it could have been as elaborate as we're having a Sunday breakfast, hot foods, casseroles, fruit. Yeah. Maybe uh, order omelets, right? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. We've, you know, we get out the waffle makers, so we're making waffles. I mean, the whole, the whole deal to someone brought some apples and another guy would always bring brownies and we would munch on those. And we would, we would gather at 10 30 ish became the joke yep. because lots of, you know, a handful of folks would roll in at 10 30, but then there was the, just the perpetually late folks, 10 40, 10 45, but that's okay because we didn't start at 10 30. Anyway. Yeah. You're just eating your but waffles. We did. Right. We're eating waffles and we're just talking. We're catching up on our week. What, what you know, would have been pe- people have been up to. Um, and we would talk probably for a half hour, if not 40 minutes yeah. while we're munching and eating until some, someone finally called to, well, sh- shall we pray? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we would be in a kind of a circle and the kids are still with us, you know, from the smallest to the teenagers. And, um, we would just talk about what do we need to be praying about? Who do we need to be praying about? What's going on in our lives? And that would be another 30 minutes or so. And then we'd settle in and we'd begin praying for those things. Uh, and then, uh, we'd all take a break because now we've been there for like an hour and 15 minutes. And so we need to, you know, someone needs to go to the bathroom. Someone needs to adjust. Uh, at that point, the smallest kids would, would leave up to like fifth grade or so. And someone would take them out and, and uh, do some Bible study at their level. And then we would open scriptures. And uh, there was either a leader or a reader. And so we would pick a passage of scripture. Typically, we're systematically going through a book or something like that. Uh, and if someone was leading, and it could have been an adult, it could have been one of the teenagers, they had a facilitator sheet um, that would prompt us with questions, the same questions every single time. And that facilitator sheet very much looked like what it, the process that a pastor would do in going through uh, preparing a sermon. 
Uh, someone would have a commentary, typically the IVP background cultural commentary. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we'd have two people read the same passage twice. Could be a teenager, could be an adult, usually a guy or a girl or something like that. And then the facilitator would work, help us work through these questions. Uh, it was this beautiful time of the community coming around the scriptures, reading together, making observations, and no one was allowed to give any sermons, you know, because the temptation was great. To pontificate or, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And unfortunately, when a, you know, when a mystery family would visit, they would be like, what is going on here? These people don't know what they're doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, they'd blur it out with a 10-minute sermon. <laughs> um, when we get to the end of that and, you know, all the way down to application, we'd ask the question, always the same three questions. What does this passage ha mean for us today as Christians in the world? What does it mean for us being the church in the world? And what does it mean for us personally? And people could cue off of any of those questions in terms of what did you hear the spirit speaking to you today? Which is the hardest part of giving a sermon, by the way, when you get to, right, right. When you get to the application, because you're contriving something and hoping you hit, you yeah. know, it hits someone. But uh, it is this beautiful and it's very Anabaptist in the community is gathering around the scriptures and it is a communal interpretation. And we're listening. We're working through the passage together. Um, we're listening to one another, one ear to each other and one ear to the spirit and how we're being prompted. Uh, and then the application is really so very personal. Um, and then the fourth thing we would do if if it was, you know, the first of the of the month or however that worked out, we would celebrate communion together. Um, that was church for us. And it was 15 years later. Um, it is very difficult for me to think about doing church in a more typical uh, established church sort of way yeah. uh, where, you know, you, and though I, when I do go to um, a typical church service, I do enjoy it. I, I enjoy the preaching. I enjoy the singing together, uh, the worshiping together. Um, but it's, it is, that's how I think of doing church. That is, that so fits the theology that makes sense to me. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Well, that of course yeah. raises a whole bunch of other questions that I want to follow up with. So, <laughs> so to our, you know, our, our friends, um, brothers and sisters who are in more, uh, either mm -hmm. traditional or, uh, you know, I, I would, I can hear people saying, but, but who's the authority in this? Who gets yes, to decide, right? right? So yes. what, what do you Who do? Who has the power? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and sometimes it's even not just with the, I mean, that can be twisted sometimes as a desire for power, but then there is this legitimate question of, you know, in the early church, there were creeds and councils. Someone still yeah. had to decide, you know? Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. what do you do with the, the authority question or issue? And this, I think we're getting into a little bit more into structures. I mean, you've described yes. a particular... Uh, less structured structure. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. What do you do with the authority? Like, um, Good. you know, if somebody says, well, but, but if there's a disagreement in interpretation, who, who gets to decide, or if there's church discipline or you have to appeal to, uh, mm. what do you do with all that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple of thoughts. And, and so in my context, um, I think it's, fair to say that there were um well one of my roles as i returned to uh 
doing church with this group is that, I mean, in, I had, I still had theological sway, yeah, if you will, yeah. right? And and they would look to me when there were really challenges when, when we'd read something that that maybe the cultural background background commentary wasn't really helping. Um, that we'd still work that out in conversation, but but there was a guardrail there. Yeah. I, I think that's fair to say that there was a certain guardrail. Um, the other thing is being a part of a don- denomination. This is where it matters. Yeah. Uh, so folks aren't going completely rogue, that there is this larger umbrella that we share in together. And while particularly in my tradition in the Brethren Church, uh, so that larger umbrella is really, <clears throat> th- there's a few things that they have oversight for. So ordination, um, as well as um, s- some more administrative details in terms of, you know, these hubs and churches that are across the uh, the, the country as well as the world. So what you described just a, a few minutes ago, that was under a denominational umbrella. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there, there's local autonomy. It's, there's limited congregationalism is what they call yep. it. And, and so uh, it's there's a lot of freedom in that, but there's also this larger theology that we're functioning out of. Yeah. That certainly it's, and I'm, I am, it, it comes through me being a part of that group, but, but I pass that on. Um, and so that's in place. And I think that's the, one of the, you know, we, we poo poo denominations a lot these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's value in that, particularly uh, in terms of there, there is an, and it's not an ultimate authority, but it's a lens. It's a hermeneutic that provides some guardrails uh, in, in, in the, in the process of interpreting, interpreting scripture particularly at the local level. Of course, it's not foolproof, um, but many steps up from uh, uh, non-denominational groups and leaders, ministry leaders, ministries, that there is, they they are the authority. And I think there's some challenges in that. Well, so back Um, to the ecclesial minimum, is, is an authority piece a part of an ecclesial minimum for you? That I, I've never been asked that question. That's yes. fantastic. Yes. <laughs> and and you may not have an answer yeah. off the top of your head, but that's I, what came to me as we were chatting. I, I would only go back to the denominations. Yeah. Um, and I, I would need to think that through in terms of other traditions. Yeah. Where, again, they are defined by the fact that they have a structure and that there is an authority structure. Right. And and so it's not about limited congregationalism. It is, you need to answer to your Bishop. Yeah. Uh, That that's very different, which, which is good. I mean, that's historically biblically correct in in some sense. Yeah. So yeah, Yeah. great question. Well, yeah. Well, you talk with the, you know, if you, you know, talk about with folks in kind of the more missional streams, it's more, it's very, uh, you know, they use, a lot of language around movements, you know, and movemental. Yeah. And, um, you know, in my work with uh, organizational culture of, of churches and systems, you know, at, at some point an organization, a movement can turn into an organization, which then needs some yeah. sort of structure, which then needs some sort of generally some sort of leadership, you know, and I think it's yeah. the spectrum of where you fall on the line of, of how free flowing yeah. versus how structured, yes. you know, yeah, you have yeah. that. Well, so, you know, 
uh, probably everyone who's listening right now and you and I, we've been a part of so many different types of structures, you know, and, yeah. and people can make the case when I'm reading a systematic theology text, people can make the case for, um, you know, just an authority for, for a lead pastor, for elders, for deacons, yeah. for denominations, for bishops, all sorts of understandings. Um, structurally, some folks would, from certain streams, I mean, they, they would hold tightly to their structure, you know, yeah. and, mm -hmm. but is there, is there a right way or mm -hmm. structure, or I think the flip side is that of that is, are there wrong ways, definite wrong ways? Mm. What would you, how would you answer that? What's your thoughts? I'm super hesitant to say there's a right or wrong structure. Because okay. um, I think they have their place. They all have their place. I am, as I, as I mentioned before, I, I, I am, um, I'm very appreciative of Catholicism. Uh and so much that Christianity has been afforded because of, uh, speaking of structures, because of the structures of Catholicism. Uh, I think in a very big understanding of capital C church or the big church, um, particularly in a postmodern world where uh, boundaries and lines of understanding, they tend to get blurry or, or in terms of, the definition of what it means to be church or uh, denominations, uh, which um, I think structurally we we resist uh, those definitions as well. Um, each of these pieces of the church that exist, the capital C church that exist, uh, whether it's superstructured like the, like the Catholic Church or uh, without much structure at all, which um, I think are movements or even some of the non-denominational um, movements or churches, mm -hmm. uh, we need each other. In that tension that we've talked about uh, of the centralized structured church that. I think in some sense are guardians of the tradition mm -hmm. over uh, thousands of years that do not allow us uh, to, to quickly or uh, shallantly redefine uh, some of the core truths and values and beliefs at the very essence of what it means to be Christians. Mm -hmm. We don't get to redefine that in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe, you know, as, as we talk about Catholicism, they think in, in uh, centuries, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, where something like the Brethren Church, this small Anabaptist uh, pietist movement, thinks in terms of decades, yeah. right? Yeah. I will often equate it to uh, the uh, aircraft carrier versus the little speedboat. Aircraft carriers take miles, something like seven miles to make a U-turn. Wow. They can do it in a, in a mile, but everything that's on that flat deck yeah. will slide right off if you try to move or do a U-turn within a, within a mile. And you have these little speedboat denominations that uh, can turn on a dime. And theologically, his, the historical theology there is not, it's not going to move the needle at all. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, 
And so we need each other. Uh, they, they are both um, nimble and stable at, at the same time. Yeah. And I, I have such appreciation uh, for all of those traditions that allow us to be this very uh, uh, unified, and we, we have a long ways to go in our unity, mm -hmm. uh, but also very diverse. Yeah. And that I, I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't call either right or wrong, but, but we need both. So a very long conversation. No, it was great. Yeah. Lots, lots in there. Well, so when I asked you at the start of this conversation, what is the church? You gave me what I would say is probably kind of a local church understanding, right? Gathered, embodied, mission. But now church, you talked church. about church as big C and universal. So talk about your understanding yes. of that. So, and how those two relate. Because mm. you use church in two different ways. Yes. Yeah, I did. I did. And we, we tend to do that. I mean, yeah. that's why I think yeah. church, when I say, what is a church? That I mean, it means so many things, mm -hmm. even with the two mm -hmm. of us just in one conversation. Yeah. It's taken on yeah. multiple meanings. Uh, the capital C church, the universal church, I, it is our, it is, it is, um, It's it's what provides our stability, right? Our uh, our um, our traditions that we hold that uh, makes us stable, and I think so. I'm 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 kind of sliding a little bit to the sociology part of the conversation. Uh, the value of the sociological value for sustaining a what began as a movement that turned into a um, an organization, if I can even use that word, yep. that eventually turns into the institution yeah. of the church, yeah. which we would not have today if, if it were not for something that uh, structurally allowed the stability of that and the endurance of it through um, two millennia. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something else about that, and I cannot remember. I've had those moments. <laughs> Uh, let's see if it comes back while I yeah, jog okay. you with this question. So in kind of that local church and big yeah. C that we, you're talking about. So how do you understand what some people call the parachurch or, you know, and what, mm. what terms, how is that different? How does that relate to this local gather embodied kingdom and big C rooted historical? Yeah. Yeah. Is that church? Um, Ooh, another good question. Let me just say this, make my disclaimer. I don't, um, I, I haven't studied enough parachurches, parachurch organizations uh, to say a whole lot in this. Um, but I, I bet you know the, I, I mean, you know the concept. We're all touched by it. Yeah. You and I, yeah. as we're recording this, we're getting to the end of the fall and toward Christmas and well, in a, in a month or two. And we're going to start getting solicitation letters from all sorts of parachurch mm -hmm. organizations. Yeah. Right. Christian worship, it, all the things that, I mean, they, it touches our lives no matter what, even if we haven't studied yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So this is my, th this is the, off the top of my head. This is my thought. Um, it, it has historically pushed, whether it's the local church or the uh, universal church, it has pushed us to stay on mission. Mm. Um, and at a time, particularly in the more conservative evangelical uh understandings or traditions of the church um 
where we were, we weren't really focused on the missional aspect of, of being the church. Um, and so I think of, you, you could leave this out if you'd like, because I'm almost, I don't even want to say Samaritan's purse, but there I did. There you go. Um, but it pushes these conservative churches, den denominations to, to be on mission, to be about kingdom values, right? Uh, where they wouldn't normally have. Now it's defined. It's this, you know, category over here. We do that during Christmas, right? And, and so these, there are special occasions that we're being about mission. Yeah. Uh, which I, I would rather, and it and has happened in the last couple of decades where we've pushed this idea of, of mission that, that it, we, we embody every moment, every day of that with our lives as we are being the church. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, that has really been a piece of a valuable piece of Christianity, certainly in American Christianity, uh, that had a, had a, had a, important and special place um maybe even a unique place uh in how we did church for i mean probably for a lot of the 20s certainly the the uh middle and the latter part of the 20th century yeah 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 well so um Back to your local, you know, embodied, that type of thing. So um, we talked about how we both have young adult sons. Mine in college was involved yeah. in a, uh, you know, a campus ministry, that, that category, yes. right? And so yeah. um, they would gather weekly, um, you know, on a Thursday night, I think, uh, on a mm -hmm. location on campus. They they had baptisms. They would do you know, Lord's mm -hmm. Supper. Uh, they'd have a teaching. They certainly had fellowship. Uh, is that a church? I think we need to ask the college kids. Is that is that a church? Tell me more about that. Right? Keep going. Uh, because um, it is it is a kingdom community, uh, and I'm so I'm speaking out of my experience. Um, so my son, uh, my 24 year old, he went to Penn State. So he went to a secular university. Yep. Um, he immediately got. Uh, hooked up with i think it's it was crew okay. which made no sense to me <laughs> uh, but i supported him uh and i think for him a lot of it was the contrast in theology which fascinated him those conversations he would have with his friends and he has you know he has since graduated but he has lifelong friends that he made uh through that organization they met every week um I, there was only a handful of times that he actually went to an off-campus church on Sundays. So that was, that was his church. So crew meeting on Thursdays and, you know, I think they met another time during the week or they go to football games. I mean, they, they did life together. Yeah. Um, oh, I just threw another phrase out. <laughs> Getting myself in trouble. Um. But that was that was the the uh, that was church for him. That was his community. That was his spiritual community. He was fed. They did Bible study together. They did lots of other life things together. And I think he would say that was church for him. Yeah. Now I will say this. So I did. My son and I we joke um, because his first semester at Penn State, he was at a. Um, a Thursday night meeting and someone was speaking up front 
uh, and it just so happened they were talking about women in ministry, which they were not for it. And so I get that this text comes in on this Thursday evening. He's like, mom, <laughs> there's this guy up front and he just keeps talking and talking and talking <laughs> at us. And I said, I'm so sorry, son. We've ruined church for yeah. you <laughs> because at home, right. You had that. We, we did church very differently. Right. Um, but certain, you know, that was his first semester and he, he finally got settled in, but that was, that was incredibly meaningful for him in those four years. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why I, I go back to, um, and I think it's a contextual conclusion coming off of an understanding of church as institution that certainly my generation, our generation has inherited. Uh, and so there's still a part of a, most of my background my ecclesial experience has been church's institution. Yeah. Um, the generate, you know, Gen Z, ha they still will participate in it, but it's, you're not going to get them to maintain the church's institution. They're not going to give to the church's institution. They are walking away from the church's institution. Uh, and, and so I think they're defining for us what is what is church for this new generation that um it doesn't look like church's institution and i don't think it necessarily means it's the right way to do church or the wrong way to do church but they're finding a way to do church they're certainly not and, tied to there's less yeah. assumptions about forms and uh, and less Absolutely. commitment to that yeah 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 you you said you know when we were, uh, um, I think before we hit record you're talking about how the theology defines structures. Mm. Talk more about that. Yeah. Like, first of all, tell me yeah. how you understand that concept because I think it's yeah. come out in our conversation where you're saying my theology is you your theology is Anabaptist and you come from these traditions and so yeah. you gravitate or would be bent toward these types of structures. So. We'll talk about more yeah. of that, about that conceptually. Yeah. So I think there are two concepts in there. And one, I'm going to just put a pin in. It's that we're using theology in the plural. Okay. Theologies. Okay. Which is still can cause a little trouble for some, some folks. They're not comfortable with that. Um, and then the, in terms of structure, let me use an illustration. So when I was at um, Highland Park Community Church, uh, still pastoring there, we were going to do a relaunch. I'd been there for two and a half years or so. Now, is this a um, more institutional form? This is not what you were telling me about, or this is? Same place. Okay. Um, but I, I had, uh, when I first started pastoring there, um, I walked into a church that was of eight well-retired folks, okay. great saints. Um, but uh, the, the clock was ticking okay. <laughs> on that church. So about two and a half years in, um, me and the leadership team, we developed an idea uh, to do a relaunch, <clears throat> move up to the structure piece of that. And so part of that relaunch was doing some work in the sanctuary, uh, rejigging a few things, cutting some pews in half and re reorienting them to make a 
like a, this round sort of gathering. Yep. Uh, and so uh, there was a little pedestal in the center that was, you know, like pulpit high, yep. but it was this, you know, little thing. And I would stand there and, and preach, if you will. And then, you know, the rest of the con congregation is gathered around me. Um, and it, there was a candle in the center there. And now outside of that gathering pews was what we called the back porch, uh, which was a cafe space. But but as we gathered, people would sit back there as well. Mm, okay. Uh, even as I was preaching and we're worshiping. Um, the, the how we structured that space matched our theology. Yeah. That there's this candle in the center who is Christ. And I'm I'm preaching to this gathered community because we are a community by definition. Yeah. In the Brethren Church, that is the uh, the priority to be that gathered community. And now, as some of the other um, folks in the neighborhood would join us, they would typically sit in the cafe space because they weren't quite sure what it meant to be this gathered community. And that candle. And that scripture and this person speaking some sort of truth, they're like, I'm not sure about all this yet, but is there something intriguing enough for me to walk through the doors and sit in the back cafe, cafe space where I can just sit casually and I don't have really have to sing. People won't know if I'm going to sing or if I'm not going to. So it was, we structured that to reflect the theology of this gathered community, what we are gathered around Christ in the scriptures or Christ who is the scriptures. Right. Yeah. And yet we have this other uh, interstitial space between the neighborhood, the secular world and, and this, this kingdom community. Yeah. So that's what, when, when I, and I, and I do, I, I have to, I have to admit, I love to play with this idea that our, theology informs our structures and i think honestly we do that without even thinking for sure I mean, yeah. we, you know think about even some of the churches built um uh during the reformation the size of the pulpits in uh, in lutheran churches right compared to catholic church where the center is not the pulpit the center is the eucharistic table yep. Right. It re the structure, how we structure it reflects our theology. Yeah. Catholic churches uh, built after Vatican II. Very different yeah. theology. OK, not very different, but tweaking the theology is reflected in how Catholic churches are built today. Yeah. That like that fascinates me. Yeah. And when you say theology, I think uh, you mean and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you're talking about. Uh, multiple facets of it. So what do we believe about mm. humanity? What do we believe about uh, even Christology, you know, and uh, yes. what, um, what do we believe about ecclesiology, you know, as far as a, the nature and purpose of the church, uh, all those pieces put together. And, yes. and I think you're right. We, we talk Absolutely. in my program at Denver Seminary, one of the very first classes our doctor of ministry students take is a class where they're, they're kind of uncovering what their embedded you know, uh, understood mm. kind of theology is because um, they could espouse some systematic thing, you know, for a paper. But really, yes. uh, all of us have our operating. We have these operating mm -hmm. systems, whether we're aware yes. it or not. That's great. Uh, yeah. And so Perfect. I think last question I want uh, to go uh, uh, go there with you is 
Um, if that's the reality that theology, and I would agree, theology defines our, and shapes our structures, and it's this all these facets of, of our theology and our understandings, assumptions, and beliefs, what does, um, you know, uh, Joe or Mary congregant, I, I, like you said, I think we don't even think about this. What should yeah. we be thinking about and asking ourselves? And not mm. just those of us who are talking on a podcast or teaching a sermon. Like, what do we as members of the body, even playing field, need to think about more? In general? Like wide open field in general? About this, uh, if if there truly is this like underlying theology okay. to it kind okay. of thing. Yeah. Gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> What do, what do we need to think about more? I'm going to wrap that in with just things that I've been thinking about sure. lately, lately, particularly my own denomination where, uh, our, our, um, our history comes out of the wed of two traditions, Anabaptist and pietistic, um, theology. Uh, and probably not so unlike uh, many, I mean, we, we wouldn't necessarily call ourselves evangelical, though uh, it's the era that we breathe in American yeah. Uh, yeah. Christianity. Um, our, our history, I think, as American Christians has to, has been to focus on the the loving God piece of the command to love God and love others as yourself. And our theology always reflect, has reflected that still does very much so, but how much does our behavior and how we think about doing church reflect the other side of loving, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Hmm. Um, and that is a, that's a bit of a nudge in another direction uh, that I, that certainly my tradition um, is is thinking about and working at, but I think that, I mean, w whether we're we're up front leading or we're sitting in the pews, um, the folks are going to take cues off of their leaders and their pastors and their uh, seminary professors. Um, how do we emphasize the other? theology of loving one another and again in this outrageous kingdom sort of way yeah. uh, and maybe you know, so it's the tension between the two yes we love god of course and yes we love our neighbor um we focused so much on this side of it historically um that we may need to swing and that makes people super uncomfortable particularly in conservative uh, denominations and traditions, but maybe we need to sit and dwell there for a while, abide in that other half of the command, just as much as we have abided in the, in the loving God part of that. Um, though we, you don't forsake one, right. Yeah. You know, we, we, we honor and we observe both sides of that tension. Um, so yeah, that, and that's just where my head has been, yeah. um, lately. And how do we do that? And how how do we do that? I mean, you, you have to also, 
you have to battle through the obstacles of people resisting doing that, which is wearisome. Yeah. Um, and thinking through, you know, how do you just get to it? Yeah. Start working on it. Yeah. 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 Well, I am sure grateful for your uh, willingness to come on and wrestle together through these, you know, through these questions and kind of hash this stuff sure. out. So um, one last non-ecclesiological question. Yes. I've never <laughs> been to the Poconos, which I think it's the same. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the, the, I mean, it's the range that's the Poconos, the Catskills, the Appalachians, right? Mm -hmm. That's the same. So I guess I've seen yeah. the Appalachians, but um, I, you know, uh, I look out my window not this one, but another one. I can look at my house and see the Rocky Mountains. Tell me what you love about mm. the Poconos. Uh, I was going to say mountains, but you know, they still are mountains. The Rocky. Yeah. They are. They are. Yeah. Um, I love nature. I love. So in my other life, I was uh, in, I, I went to, actually went to college. I was going to be a veterinarian. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do love animals. I love, uh, Domestic animals, wild animals, um, even human animals. Yes, creatures. Yeah. <laughs> creatures. Uh, all of God's creatures. So I, and we are, our mountain house is, it's up a mountain, according to the Pocono Mountains. Right. Um, it, so it's up a mountain, pretty steep mountain, sets back in the woods and, um, and it's just quiet. And so I can go sit on the back deck and I can hear, I can hear the birds. Occasionally I hear the hawks squeaking and squealing and probably finding lunch somewhere. Um, I, I, we're also at the confluence of two rivers. So the Delaware river and the Lackawaxen river. Uh, and just to, I mean, we'll often go on the river, either kayaking nice. or something. Um, but yeah, just nature, nature in general. It's such a contrast contrast from living in the suburbs of Philly. Yeah. So we lived in Levittown, which is one of the first pre pre-planned um, yeah. communities. Yeah living on 0.1 something like 0.15 acre postage, postage stamps. stamps. Yeah. yeah. It was a great place to raise kids and we lived there for 30 years. Fabulous neighbors, just a, a great structured neighborhood um to raise kids, but I think that's probably in our rearview mirror at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you can send, you can invite me anytime to experience your place and you are welcome to come to my Most urban, certain. hip urban pad here in Denver uh, as, as well. So Jane, thanks so much for your time and for just challenging our thinking um, and uh, blessings on you and your ministry. Thank you. It's been a joy. Thank you so much. Thanks. And a challenge. All these <laughs> questions were challenging. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm no apologies. Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. that's what, that's the Fair. whole tagline. Challenging conversations to better the body. So you fit right in. So thanks. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>